Before we get into the message today, I just want to highlight something I'm really excited about. So we're uh, coming to the end of the line here on this Healthy Church series over the next two weeks. And then two Sundays from today, we're going to begin uh, a new study in what can only be described as the Mount Everest of the Bible, uh, Paul's letter to the church at Rome. Uh, and so we're going to do roughly about a 14-month study, verse-by-verse study of this magnificent book. You know, the Bible is uh, uh, full of just uh, mountain peaks, beautiful mountain peaks, but Romans stands above them all. It's widely considered to be the greatest uh, book in the Bible, which makes it the greatest uh, piece of literature that's ever been written in all of history, and we're going to have a fantastic time digging into it. And to help us to do that, uh, we're producing a series of journals for you uh, that you can use to follow along. There's a Bible reading plan in here. Uh, there's a passage that we're going to be studying each week. There's a place to take uh, sermon notes. And so uh, we're going to have these available for you. As you leave, pick one up. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to put your name in it. And I want you to put your name in it so when you leave it under your chair or in the bathroom which many of you will do over the next 14 months. We can put it in the lost and found and you can pick it up the next week. Now, in all seriousness, uh, we want to be good stewards of the Lord's resources. Uh, So I really do want you to get one of these and I really want to encourage you, maybe even as a family, to be reading along and preparing. Uh, This book has literally changed history. Uh, and it would be great if it changed the history of Harmony Bible Church and of each and every one of our lives. And that's going to be the case. Uh, it, it's, it's a very deep, deep book. Uh, and so if you're just going to come in cold on Sunday mornings, it's going to be really, really difficult work that we're going to have to do. And so it's going to be much, much better if you come ready to go. And so I encourage you to pick this up, uh, to begin praying. And I can't wait to get into it uh, with you here in a couple of weeks. Now, uh, today, though, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 13. Uh, Hebrews 13, if you need some help finding it, it's near the the end of the Bible, or you can go to your concordance if you, you need some help there, or uh, just pick up one of the chair Bibles it's on page 794 uh, in those Bibles. Uh, thus far, in this A Healthy Church series, we've seen that the gospel-centeredness and disciple-making are two marks of a healthy church, and today we're going to see that biblical leadership is a third. Biblical leadership. Right here at the beginning, I want you to know that I speak for our church leaders when I say that this mark of a healthy church is a deeply personal one for us. That's because it deals with our relationship with you, a relationship that means a great deal to us and that we believe, or at least we hope, means a great deal to you. Let me just put it plainly. We we love you. Uh, and we care for you. Uh, we, we hope that that is reciprocated. Um, and, and we want you to hear that maybe above all today. And, and I say that uh, because this mark is not only personal, but it's also challenging uh, as it relates to the topic of authority. Uh, specifically, it has to do with how the Bible calls church members to obey and submit to church leaders. This is challenging for at least two reasons. One, we all naturally resist authority. Our sin nature rebels against it. We all come out of the womb with an attitude that basically says, you're not the boss of me. If you don't believe me, spend about 15 minutes around a toddler and watch what happens when they hear the word no. I promise you it will not be pretty. You see, even as infants, we think we're quite capable of running our own life, and we don't feel like we have a need or even a want for anyone to tell us what to do. 
Uh, please don't think uh, that I'm throwing you under the bus here, all right? I have the same issue that you do, and I have it in a bigger way than most of you do. Uh, my parents can attest to this, and even my high school basketball coach can attest to it even more. Although that's a story for another time. The point, we're all sinners, and that means we all have an aversion to authority. But then two, this topic is challenging because we encounter a great deal of abuse of authority. We see it in our government. We see it in our workplaces, we see it in our homes, and sadly, we even see it in the church. And therefore, something else I want you to know here at the beginning is that our church leaders are sympathetic to this. Uh, We know that given the rampant abuse of authority today, trusting leaders, even good and godly ones, can be really, really difficult. And yet, all that aside, I have to point out to you today that we need leadership. All of us need it. Why? Well, let me explain uh, using an illustration about the Yukon. Uh, and by the Yukon, I'm not referring to the GMC uh, SUV, but rather I'm referring to the Canadian territory. So I'm not a guy that has a bucket list. I'm not into bucket lists. Uh, but as I get closer to kicking the bucket, see what I did there? <laughs> I have started to think of things that I would like to do before I die. And, and something that really interests me is doing a moose hunt in the Yukon. Now, I would be just happy to do a hiking trip in the Yukon, but a moose hunt, you know, would be on the very uh, top of the list. Regardless, though, if I'm going to do anything in the Yukon, I'm going to need a guide. Uh, It's a vast and dangerous wilderness, and if I try to go it alone, I'm going to get hopelessly lost, and I'll be in great peril from grizzlies, from wolves, and probably even from the moose that I'm there to hunt. So, so, so no lie, I have a, a good buddy that did a, a bow hunt for moose in the Yukon. And one early morning as he was in his tent, he had a big bull moose five yards from his tent ready to charge the tent. So they're like 1,500 pounds or something like that, all right? And they're not very happy, especially when they're in love, all right? Maybe they are happy, but they're not happy if you're trying to get in the way of them in their love. Sorry, that was not in the notes here. We need to keep going, all right? Yeah. (laughs) But here's the point. If I'm going to go to the Yukon, I need a guide. I need an authority. I need someone to tell me where to go and where not to go, what to do and what not to do. Someone who can show me the way so that I enjoy my time there and more importantly, so I make it safely home. And what we need to realize is that what's true of the Yukon is also true of the spiritual life. The spiritual life that we are walking in, that we are living in, is really, really dangerous. There are a lot of things out there that want to cause us great harm. And so if we're going to enjoy this journey that we are on, and more importantly, if we're going to make it safely home to heaven, we, we need a guide. We need an authority. We need someone to shepherd us. In a word, what we need is good, godly, biblical leadership. Let me give another illustration to drive home this point. It's the illustration the Bible uses repeatedly to emphasize the importance of church leadership, that of shepherding. Do you know what the number one term is, the most frequent term that the Bible uses to describe believers? I've just given you a hint in saying shepherding. It's sheep. We are, according to the Bible, we are sheep. 
Now, if you didn't know this, this is not a very flattering image because sheep aren't very bright. It's another way to say that they're dumb. They have a habit of getting into trouble. They can't take care of themselves, and if sheep are left on their own, they'll get badly injured, starve, and or eaten by predators. Kind of like what would happen to me if I went to the Yukon on my own. So consider this. If your dog or cat get loose, they'll likely either find another place to live or they'll make it their way back home. Either way, they'll probably make it. If a sheep gets loose, a sheep is going to die. They have no sense of direction. They can't take care of themselves. And so if they get loose and they're on their own, they are done for. In a nutshell, sheep need a shepherd or they will die. So this is humbling, but the Bible says the same thing about us. It says we need a shepherd or we will die. Now, we might not like this. In fact, most of us don't. But if we're honest, we have to admit that it's true. Uh, We know that we can't do life on our own. We know that we are prone to wonder, to make foolish decisions, most of all, to be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. That's a direct quote from Hebrews 3.13, where where the author, the same person who's going to write the text we're going to look at today, says that we need to exhort one another every day, as long as the today, so that we're not hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And so I just want to say to you that this morning, if you think that you aren't prone to the deceitfulness of sin, you're giving the prime example of someone who actually is being deceived by the deceitfulness of sin. So so think about it this way. If Adam and Eve were perfect and they were susceptible to the deceitfulness of sin, don't you think you are? Don't you think we all are? And, And so really what the Bible tells us over and over and over again is that if we're going to survive as sinners in a dangerous world, we need shepherds to guide us, to protect us, to feed us, to care for us. Shepherds that will provide us with everything we need to make it safely home to heaven. And here's the wonderful news about this. God has provided that for us in and through good, godly, biblical leaders. If I can put it in the terms of this Healthy Church series, if we're going to be healthy sheep, then we need a healthy biblical relationship with the shepherds that God has placed over us. A healthy church is one in which the sheep and the shepherds, the leaders and the members, have a healthy biblical relationship. Now, there are many passages that we could look at today, and I will reference a number of them, but we're just going to focus on on one verse, Hebrews 13, 17, uh, which says this. Follow along as I read. Obey your leaders and submit to them, For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Now, let's just be honest. I know what you might be thinking right now. Well, of course, as a pastor, this is a passage that you would go to. A passage that says that we are supposed to obey you and submit to you and make you happy. You know what? I actually do have this verse in a large frame in my office. Right there. I just celebrate it every single day. Uh, I'm, actually, I'm just kidding. Uh, but this verse, I thought you would think that funnier than you did. Maybe you're, yeah. I'm, I'm really, I'm literally am kidding. I'm joking. Although this verse is very important to me. But it's not important for the reason that you might think. 
It's not important because of the obey or the submit or the happy part. It's important to me because of the weight of the responsibility that God places on those who lead his flock. This is a verse that your elder team talks about on a regular basis. But we don't talk about it and we don't think about it in terms of what your responsibility is to us, but rather what our responsibility is to you and ultimately to the Lord. The passage literally says we're going to stand before him one day and give an account for how we have shepherded you. We'll come back to that part in just a moment. Let's first of all carefully consider the command in this verse. And the command is pretty simple. We're to obey and submit to our church leaders in a way that enables them to shepherd us with joy. Again, we're to obey and submit to our church leaders in a way that enables them to shepherd us with joy. Side note, quick side note here. Throughout this message, I'm going to make a concerted effort to use the terms our and we're. I'm going to do this because as church leaders, we are called to obey and submit to shepherding ourselves. So so when I and our other leaders read this verse, we must realize that we're sheep too, and therefore we need to be shepherded ourselves. So so the elders of this church are are, are all accountable to one another, and then uh, not only to one another, but also to the congregation, and ultimately we're accountable to the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He is the head of the church. So so there's no one in this church that has the final authority. Not, Not even me. I don't have the final authority. Not even close to the final authority. Jesus has the final authority. And we all are to be in submission to him. So so let's just think about this. This obeying and submitting, it's not just for certain people, it's for all people, everybody in the church. And we just want to make sure that you understand that includes me. With that said, verse 17 gives us two reasons we're to obey and submit to our church leaders in a way that enables them to shepherd us with joy. The first is church leaders are responsible to watch over our souls. Church leaders have an immensely important job. Now, if I can say it, it's the most important job in the entire world. The job of caring for the souls of God's people. Well, why do I say that this is the most important job in the world? Well, what could be more important than the souls of people? I mean, there's nothing more important than, than the souls of people, right? Like, like, right? I mean, your soul is important. Your soul matters. Your spouse's soul matters. Your children's souls matters. Your family's souls matters. Your friends' souls, they, they, they matter. They matter immensely. And so what we actually have here, the, the sense of this verse is that the author is telling us that only church leaders are responsible for caring for the souls of people. So if church leaders don't care for our souls, who's going to do it? Now, you, you might be thinking, I don't need somebody to care for my soul. The Bible tells you you do. You might be thinking, I, I don't really feel like I, I, I want that, or that's a deep desire. And here's what I want to tell you. you. You actually, within you, want somebody to care for you. You, you want somebody to, to, to watch out for you. You, you want somebody to, to be there when you are in need. And can I just tell you, after doing this for, for nearly 25 years, we all come to a place in our life where we need somebody to care for us. All of us do. And, and it's often, more often than we think, But the point is, is that we need somebody to care for us, and we have people to care for us, and that is church leaders. Now, I want to take you for a moment to Acts 20. 
you don't need to turn there. We're going to have it on the screen. We're just going to look at one verse there. But it's a very significant verse um, in regards to what we're talking about today. Because um, in this passage, the Apostle Paul is nearing the end of his ministry. Um, He's actually headed to Jerusalem. And then when he's in Jerusalem, he's going to get arrested and end up in Rome. And then he's going to end up being martyred in Rome. And we'll we'll talk more about that here in the coming weeks. But um, before he heads there, uh, on his journey, he calls the uh, elders of the church at Ephesus to him, and he has a very, very tearful meeting with them because he knows he's never going to see them again. And the church at Ephesus was a really important church to him because he had spent years there, and, and actually Acts tells us that from that church, the gospel had gone out to all of Asia. All right, so very, very significant meaning. Men uh, that he had served with and ministered to um, for, for years and years, and here's what he says to them. Final words, he says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Now we're gonna leave this up here because I'm gonna walk uh, through it with you. You will note, first of all, that it is the Holy Spirit, God himself, who appoints the leaders in the church. Those o- overseers there, that's another term for elders. It, it means and refers to elders. And it is God himself, the Holy Spirit, that appoints leaders. And the leaders are to pay attention to and to care for all of the flock, every member in the body. And why are they to do so? They're to do so because the church is incredibly precious. Every single member of the church is incredibly precious. Where did I get that from? Well, I get it from the fact of what we are told it costs God in order to obtain, in order to purchase the church, in order to make the church his. So, so we don't come into this world as a part of the church, as a part of God's family, a part of his flock, but rather he has to purchase us. He has to come and get us. And how did he do so? He did so by sending his son to die in our place. Notice what he says. He obtained it through his own blood. What did it cost God in order for you to be here today, in order for you to be a part of the church? It cost him the life of Jesus. And that, my friends, makes you precious and it makes the church precious. Why? Because Jesus is the most precious thing ever. Amen? Isn't that the truth on which we stand, the reason that we're here? Because we believe Jesus is more beautiful and more precious and more wonderful and more amazing than any other person, than any other thing in the universe. And so if that is the case, that means the church is precious too. So listen, we all got issues with the church. Let's just admit, I got issues with the church. We got problems, all right? We've got a lot of problems. We got a lot of struggles. There's a lot of ugly But you know what, friends? We can't give up on the church because Jesus ain't ever given up on the church. And if Jesus ain't ever given up, which we're thankful for, right? If Jesus ain't ever given up on the church, then we can't ever give up on the church. And what's more, here's what we have to understand. Because the church is precious to him, God appoints what are known as under-shepherds, okay? Under-shepherds in order to care for his church. Spiritual leaders to watch over each and every member in his body. Now this is something that we, we have to realize that God takes very seriously. So if we go back to verse 17, we're told there that church leaders will have to give account to God for how they've watched over the souls he's given them. Uh, this is a verse that, that we talk about regularly as an elder team 
And again, the part that we're focusing on isn't the obeying and submitting and the joy part, but it's rather on the responsibility we have the, the Lord to care for his people. So, so listen, th- th- this is a verse. If you ask our elders what verse Chris Carr has gone to the most over his time here, they're going to tell you that this is the verse. And again, it's not about the obeying and submitting. It's about the fact that we're, we're going to stand before Jesus one day and we're going to have to give an account, an answer to him for how we have shepherded and how we have led you. Now, I don't know, but that's something that'll keep you up at night. And so here's what I want to say to you in regards to this though. This is what makes membership necessary. If we're gonna watch over the souls that God has given us, what do we need to know? We need to know who those souls are. And the way that we know who those souls are is by committing to shepherding those souls, but then those souls committing back that they are going to allow us to be shepherding. I can't fulfill the role that God has called me to unless there is a commitment, not only from me, but also from you in order for you to be shepherded. And if I can just plead with you here for a second, I know some of you have an objection to membership and others, quite honestly, are just seemingly ambivalent about it. But here's a question I want you to wrestle with this morning. You just answer this for yourself. Is it possible for you to obey Hebrews 13, 17 without being a member of a local church? Is it possible to obey and submit to the leaders of a church if you haven't make it, made a commitment in order to do so? So now I know you may be saying, I am committed, I, you know, I attend, I serve, I give. Harmony Bible Church is my home. But I just want to encourage you that, that unless you have actually signed and made a membership covenant and you have given leaders, okay, the authority to speak into your life, okay, to, to, to come to you as, as the New Testament calls you to come to and to actually shepherd and guide you, particularly in the difficult times when you don't really want them to, then you aren't actually following and submitting to Hebrews 13, 17 and a number other passages in the Bible. So I just want to encourage you, and maybe we just put it this way. I I know that we might have differences of of opinion in regard to membership, but if Harmony Bible Church is your home and the elders here are saying that, that membership is important and you need to be a member, then part of obeying and submitting is obeying and submitting to becoming a member. And I just want to say, listen, this is not about power. It's about caring and loving you and helping you to be the sheep that God would desire you to be and ultimately that you want to be. With that said, I want to talk now about how church leaders are to watch over the soul of church members. Uh, This is important for us to know for two reasons. One, so that we can keep our church leaders accountable to shepherd us the way that they are supposed to. And then second, so we know uh, how we are to respond to their shepherding. And so shepherds, church leaders are called to watch over the souls of those in the church in three ways. By teaching, modeling, and overseeing. Teaching, modeling, and overseeing. So I want you to look at verse 7 of Hebrews 13. Just go up a few verses. And you'll notice there that we're told to remember our leaders, those who spoke to us the word of God. The first and foremost way church leaders to watch over the souls of church members is by teaching the Bible. I could talk about this a lot, 
because the New Testament talks about it a lot, but the number one job of a teacher or a pastor is to teach God's word. Uh, As we talked about uh, in recent weeks, the gospel is the way that God saves people and transforms people. And so what we need most from our leaders is for them to teach the Bible because it's in the Bible that we find the gospel. And can I speak to you young people? Those of you maybe who are in college or uh, in, in your 20s, uh, it's, it's likely, I, I guess, at some point that you're going to move away from southeast Iowa and you're going to go somewhere else and you're going to look for a church. Can I just say this to you? The most important thing you need to look for in a church is are the pastors going to teach the word of God? It's not, is the music great? Is it fun? There are a lot of people my age. All those things, great and wonderful. The most important thing you need is you need for a man to get up every single week to open God's word and to tell you what it means. Okay, that's another message, okay? But then second, as church leaders teach the Bible, they're also to model what it looks like to put the Bible into practice. Now, this is also important, just as important as the last point. Note that verse 7 goes on to say this, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Or as Paul says uh, in Corinthians 11, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Leaders are not supposed to just teach the word of God, the Bible, but they're also supposed to teach us or show us what it looks like to follow the Bible, to follow Jesus by following him themselves. So, So here's how it's supposed to work. All right, the the leaders teach the word of God, then the leaders model what it looks like to follow the word of God, and then the people listen and learn about the word of God, and then they watch the leaders as they follow God, and they follow him like the leaders do, and so we all grow to be like Jesus. That's how it's supposed to work. Now, it doesn't always work that way, and and, and to be honest with you, one of the reasons that we have so much uh, problem with the issue that I'm talking about today is we have men who teach what the Bible says, but then they don't live like what they're teaching. That's a big issue, and and the reality is, is none of us are perfect, all right? So we don't do it perfectly, but we, we do have a higher standard for those who are leading in the church, and we need to hold those people to that standard, and I'm saying this, realizing it could come back to bite me, but if it needs to bite me, it needs to bite me. We have to not only teach the word of God, but we have to also live in line with it. Then third, church leaders watch over souls by overseeing us. In 1 Peter 5, the apostle tells elders to do this, to shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. A lot that we could talk about here, but the key phrase is exercising oversight. This refers to overseeing all the affairs of the church so that each member receives the care they need. I want to share something with you that's really important to understand about how our elders strive to exercise oversight. I, I realize you might not think this is the most exciting stuff in the world, but it's absolutely essential because you need to understand how we seek to fulfill what God has called us to fulfill because it impacts your life day in and day out. So we strive to exercise oversight in large part by partnering with numerous other leaders, including our deacons, staff members, and community group leaders, as well as leaders of ministries like Celebrate Recovery, Moms, Divorce Care, and Grief Share, and and a number of other ministries. In fact, uh, in many ways, our elders shepherd with 
in and through these leaders and ministries. I, I think it's pretty apparent that there are lots of people that need to be shepherded here, right? We're talking about a couple thousand people that need to be shepherded. And so the elders can't do it all on our own. Now, at times, we've tried to do it on our own. It doesn't work very well, and you don't get the care that you need. And, and so we are committed to working with other leaders and in other ministries and establishing a structure in which you can be shepherded. So here's a key point for you. You need to place yourself in the environments in which you can be shepherded. You, you need to be faithful on, on Sunday mornings to come to corporate worship and not only to listen and to sing, but before and afterwards interacting with other people and with our other leaders. You need to uh, uh, take a veil of our equip you ministry and get in that kind of environment you need to be in a community group you need to be serving and using your gifts because it's in all of these environments where our shepherds and our leaders can come around, alongside of you and to care for your soul and I want to highlight specifically our community group ministry. One of the blessings for us uh, from the pandemic is it allowed us to establish and grow our community group ministry. We have nearly 80 of these now. And I just really, really want to encourage you. These groups are designed for connection and then for care. And so this is kind of a front line for you to receive the shepherding that you need to because our elders in particular, all right, are focused on and are committed to coming alongside our community group leaders to help to provide the care and the shepherding that you need. But regardless, you need to be placing yourself in environments where you can be shepherded. Now, here's the second reason we're to obey and submit to our church leadership so they can shepherd us with joy. Joyful church leaders make for a healthy church. Joyful, health, uh, joyful church leaders make for a healthy church. Look at the second sentence of verse 17 again. Notice what it says. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Listen to this. When we don't follow our leaders... It's detrimental to them, and it's detrimental to us. For them, leadership becomes a grind. It becomes grievous. That's what the word groaning means. It means to be in grief. And can I just say this to you? Uh, the moments of my greatest grief in pastoral ministry have been over people who I was trying to love on and care for and help and get the stiff arm. People who are in sin and it's really, really clear and we're trying not to be judgmental, not to bring the hammer down, but to lovingly come alongside and to say, hey, turn back to the Lord, the path that you are going, like, like tears. You might not think that, that I cry a lot, but honestly, actually I do. And one of the things that I cry over is I cry over you when you refuse to allow yourself to be shepherd. It's, it's grievous. And it's grievous, yes, for us, but it's also grievous for you because the reason that it's detrimental, actually, notice what the word says, it's no, of no advantage. It's disadvantageous because here's what it means. It means our spiritual growth will be impeded and likely even go backwards. In other words, if we don't follow our leaders, we'll get spiritually sick. How? Let me explain to you. Well, we won't have the protection leaders offer, meaning that we'll be more susceptible to spiritual attack. We won't have the care leaders offer, meaning that we won't get the counsel, prayer, and encouragement we need. 
Most of all, we won't have the nourishment from the word leaders offer, meaning we'll become spiritually weak and susceptible to the unholy triumvirate of the world, the flesh, and the devil. You ever watch those Nat Geo uh, shows or uh, shows on Discovery uh, where there's a pride of lions and they're, they're prowling around, you know, looking to attack the, the herd of antelope? You know what I'm talking about there? Which antelope do they always go after? They go after the one that's in the center around everybody else, living in community, okay? Got other antelope watching over it. No, they go after the one who's the straggler, who's off on his own, who thinks that he doesn't need the rest of the flock. Well, in 1 Peter 5, that passage we looked at just a minute ago, Peter goes on to say, hey, you need to be aware. Be on your guard of the devil because he is like a roaring lion prowling about looking for someone to devour. The devil is trying to ruin your life. And one of the ways that he tries to ruin our life or he does ruin our life is when we're off on our own without anybody caring for us, anybody watching over us, allowing the shepherd to to shepherd us because that's when we are the most vulnerable. So so think of it this way. When we fail to follow our leaders, leaders, leadership becomes a grind for them and life becomes a grind for us. To put it another way, We rob them of joy, and we rob ourselves of joy. And I want to make a case yet again that spiritual growth is where joy is found. It's where leaders find it, and it's where members find it. You know that passage in 3 John chapter 4, or 3 John verse 4? It's a verse that's found on a bunch of plaques and things at Hobby Lobby, uh, right? Or, uh, you know, you may find it on Amazon or some Christian bookstore, what does the verse say? I have no greater truth than to hear, or greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in truth. Now, many of you have that up uh, in your home and you are thinking about your children, but it's actually not talking about physical children. It's talking about spiritual children. It's talking about spiritual fathers and mothers and spiritual fathers and mothers get the greatest joy when their children are walking in truth. But what you have to realize is that's also when the children get the greatest joy is when they are walking in truth. And these things go together. The joy of leaders and the joy of members, they are inseparable. Leaders are not going to be joyful if their members aren't walking in the truth. And members aren't going to be joyful if they aren't walking in the truth. And they're not going to walk in the truth if the leaders aren't leading them to walk in the truth. It all has to go together. So can I just say this to you? In, In many ways, I am a spiritual father here. I'm a spiritual father, and I have no greater joy, yes, than when my physical children walk in the truth. That's wonderful, but it's just as wonderful when you walk in the truth. So this is really the same thing we talked about last week. Joy is found in disciple-making. It's found as we are disciples of Jesus and as we make disciples of Jesus. Now, I want to close today with some application regarding how to make church leadership joyful. And I want you all to look at me right now, okay? Um, this, um, what I'm going to share right now, this application was really easy for me to come up with. The rest of this message was kind of hard to, to write. A lot of things I got to be careful about saying and wanted to say the right way. But what I'm going to share with you now, I just wrote out, took me hardly any time at all. And the reason that I was able to do that um, is because joyful church leadership is a reality for me. It is my reality. I have the great privilege of being able to uh, lead here with joy. And so what I'm going to share right now in large way is just a tribute to you. I hope it will spur you on, 
but I also want to greatly encourage you today. As I was writing this out, I was thinking, you know, what if um, another church asked me to come and to teach on this passage and to teach about what it means to uh, allow your leaders to shepherd with joy? And I had this thought come into my mind. All I would need to say is just be like my church. Just be like my church. That's how you do it. And as I said that, I wrote that and, and went over it multiple times, there were tears that came to my eye. I am deeply indebted to you that you, and like this Hebrews thirteen seventeen is my reality. And I know it's not the reality for most pastors, but it is my reality. I want to thank you for that. And I want to encourage you now, and I want to give you four ways that you actually do make church leadership a joy. They all begin with R. Let me just run through them. Number one, you're responsive. Uh, there are two aspects of this one. A, you're responsive to the word. One of your hallmarks is, in the words of 1 Thessalonians 2.13, that you accept the word, not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God. You accept it, you believe it, and most of all, you seek to put it into practice. Now, you're getting a good test here today, right? The test is whether or not you're going to say, this is the message of Chris Carr, this is the message of, of God's word. And I'm just pointing you to it. It's God's word, so... I hope that you will continue to be responsive to it. But B, you're responsive to our efforts to shepherd you. You allow us to contact you, counsel you, even confront you when necessary. Now, I do want to give a little bit of a challenge here. Uh, There are some of you who could do better at allowing us to shepherd you. And I'm speaking specifically uh, to members here. Uh, If you've signed a membership covenant where you've agreed to be shepherded, then you need to return our texts and our phone calls. You need to stop ghosting us. Some of you don't even know what ghosting is, but you're ghosting. Okay? You, you need to heed our admonitions to serve the body. You need to be in some type of community group or relational ministry where you can be cared for and care for others. I'll remind you that you have signed a covenant, and in signing a covenant, you have given your word. And if you are not keeping your word, you are unhealthy, and so you need to start getting healthy today by committing to what you have said that you are going um, to do. Part of shepherding at times is when the sheep are wandering off is to bring them back in. So something I'm trying to do today. And, and others of you are not joining and not being members because you, you, you don't want that shepherding. I'm just gonna tell you that you're unhealthy. That is unhealthy. And so uh, I just wanna encourage you yet again, if you are not a member, to consider being a member today. There's a QR code um, in our handout today. Just, you can go and use that and you can sign up for our membership class that is coming up soon. Then number two, you're respectful. You respect the position of church leaders and you respect us as persons. I don't think I need to point out that uh, there's not a lot of respect for authority today. We see that, right? There's not a lot of respect for authority today. And, and the problem with that is, is it can make some leaders want to puff out their chest uh, and just really come out hard and be ha- heavy-handed with their authority. However, your leaders don't feel the need to do that because of the way you honor us. Number three, you're reassuring. Uh, the better word here is encouraging, but I needed an R, so it's reassuring. All right? You're complimentary when we serve you well and kind and gracious when we don't. One of the best things that I can say about you is that you want to be led and you regularly encourage us as we imperfectly seek to do so. Number four, you're responsible. This is the best one of all. And by it, I mean your allegiance is ultimately to Jesus and not to us. 
you know there's only one leader worthy of your devotion, and that's the great shepherd of the sheep, the shepherd who became a sheep and gave his life in your place, Jesus Christ. So you ever thought about it this way? Not only is Jesus a shepherd, but Jesus the shepherd became a sheep. He became a lamb who gave his life for our sins in our place. And so church, keep your eyes on Jesus and only follow us in as much as we are following him, as we are keeping our eyes on him. Because it's only as we all keep our eyes on Jesus that we will truly be a healthy church. Can I say this? Harmony Bible Church, um, this is no secret, but there have been some ups and downs in the history of the church. There have been some really, really difficult days. But you know what has kept this church going all these years? What's kept this church going is that there's always been a core of people who have kept their eyes on Jesus. Through all the difficulties, through all the hard times, there's been a core of people that have kept their eyes on him. And I can just say this to you, we are in a great day. We are in a day where the Lord is blessing, things are going, I mean, I don't know that they could be going better. That's not the way it's always gonna be. There are, uh, that's just the way that it works. There are going to be difficult days ahead. We're going to have challenges. We've had challenges in the past. We're gonna continue to have challenges. And the only way that we're going to make it through is if we keep our eyes on him. So I, I want to just talk about me for a second, all right? So, so here's what I want to say about me. When I'm no longer here, which I hope will be a long time from now, I hope that you will be sad to see me go, but then you will say, well, we can get over that pretty quickly. Why do I say that? Because I want you to be thankful for my ministry, but ultimately I want you not to be here for me. I want you to be here for Jesus, it's not about me, it's not about you, it's all about him. So I want you to say, hey, we were thankful for that guy, but our hope wasn't in him anyway. Because I can't be your savior. And churches get into real big trouble when they look to somebody other than Jesus to be their savior. So let's work together, but let's follow Jesus together, but let's keep our eyes on Jesus. He's the only one that deserves it. Amen? Amen. So, let's I, I really do. I know I'm not the warm, warmest and fuzziest of people, right? Uh, I can't even say it right. Uh, <laughs> but I do love you. I believe that is reciprocated. And let's continue, though, not only to love one another, but to love him. Because of the way that he has loved us.